Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Matthew. You may be seated. We begin today with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day uh, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word has come to us in your Son, Jesus Christ, and through this word our sins are forgiven and our life is sustained. We pray this day, Lord, that as we hear your word, you would guide us into paths of righteousness and teach us what it means to be light and salt in this world. Now I pray, O Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. How is the church to relate to the world around us? What role does the church play in this world? How are we as Christians to be engaged with the culture and with the world around us? Last week, we started looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll be doing it, I believe, this week and also next week, where Jesus is teaching us about what it means to be his disciple. And the calling to be a disciple changes everything for us. It changes everything in every relationship that we have when jesus comes to you and he calls you blessed it means he's changed your relationship with god when you were baptized into the faith and when jesus placed his name upon you and called you into his kingdom this changed your relationship before the father because jesus died for you because he washed away all of your sins and his blood he has reconciled you to god so that you stand before the Father forgiven and redeemed, no longer under the wrath of God, but you dwell beneath the smiles of God. And God looks upon you with love as a dear father looks upon his dear children. This also changes your hope. Not only is your relationship with God changed, but now you have hope in this world because your eternity is in Jesus Christ. And no longer, because you are baptized into Jesus Christ, no longer do you need to fear death and hell because you have eternal life promised to you through Jesus. And we anticipate and look forward to heaven. Our destiny has changed. But not all of this stuff that Christ has done for us only deals with our relationship to God and with the future. This also deals with our relationship to the here and now. And it deals with our relationship to the world. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, being blessed by Jesus Christ, changes the way we relate to the world around us. And so the question is, what does that look like? How are we as Christians to engage with the world around us? And if we're honest, this is a really difficult question for the church to answer. I think the church, if you look back on the last 2,000 years of the church, the church has really struggled to figure out how we are to relate to the world around us. And even personally, I mean, I know this is true for me personally, I have a hard time figuring out how should I be engaging with the surrounding culture. Should I just enjoy God's good creation? Of course. But how do I as a sinful person enjoy God's good creation without turning it into an idol? What God has made is good. But this world is also corrupted by sin, and I am corrupted by sin. So how do I know what I should do and what I shouldn't do? Where's the line? How is someone who is washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, how is someone who is called to be a disciple to engage the world around them? Well, Jesus starts to answer this question for us today. As we come to this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has these two metaphors he uses to describe the way we are to relate to the world around us. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light 
of the world. Salt and light in a world that is frankly bland, decaying, and dark. Jesus says, your life is to bring flavor, I suppose. Uh, your life is to shine light and beauty and joy into this world. The Christian in this world is to radiate the love and the mercy and the joy that they have in Jesus Christ. However, I think we get this wrong all too often. I think all too often the church sort of confuses this message and misunderstands it. Now, when I refer to the church, I'm talking about us as Christians. I think as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, we tend to take two wrong paths when it comes to dealing with the world. Some of the ways we live in this world would be the equivalent of salt losing its saltiness, Jesus says. And some of the ways we live in this world would be the equivalent of turning on a lamp and then covering it up with a bed sheet. I mean, who does that? You turn on a lamp only to cover it up. So what does that look like? What's it like when we lose our saltiness or we cover up the lamp? How is it that the church is not to relate to the world around it? Maybe that's how we'll go about the question today. And so let's look at this. What does it mean to cover the lamp and lose the saltiness? Let's start with the saltiness first. Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So how do we do that? How does salt lose its saltiness? Well, have you ever had a meal? Like, Have you ever, have you ever had a tortilla chip with no salt on it? You know what that tastes like? It tastes like nothing. It doesn't taste like anything. I love tortilla chips. I could eat a whole bag of tortilla chips at a night, uh, but I have a wife, and she's very good to me, and she says, don't do that. Uh, I love these tortilla chips, but if you have tortilla chips without salt, and say you make nachos, and you have no salt in the tortilla chips, and you just put the chips into the, the nachos, what do you not taste at all? The chip. It blends in. It's bland. It tastes like everything else on the plate, which is probably, you know, tasting fine, but you don't notice the chip at all. It's only like a serving mechanism. It gets into your mouth, but you don't notice it at all. And I think this might be part of what Jesus is getting at here today, that we as disciples lose our saltiness when we just kind of blend in with the culture around us. So instead of standing out, instead of contributing God-pleasing things to this world, instead of living lives of love and sacrifice that bless and benefit our neighbors around us, we instead start to capitulate to the culture and start to look and act and think and speak just like the culture around us. People don't see any difference between the church and the culture. And this happens, I think, if we, if we want to be pretty frank about it today it happens on both sides of of the aisle both on the liberal side of the church and on the conservative side of the church the liberal side of the church it tends to look more like the culture when it decides that the job of the church is no longer to stand up against sin and no longer to preach jesus christ and him crucified but rather sees the church's job as merely a social justice project now, don't get me wrong, social justice is a good thing. We should be fighting for justice in the world. But too often, uh, the, the, the left side of the church, we might say, uh, tends to think that the church's job is to pursue social justice in this world and not stand up against the evils of this world, uh, but rather to take up the church into their own personal causes. So the church becomes just another social justice rally. However, on the right side, it's not much better. 
And the conservative branch of the church, what's tended to happen now, is we've tended to sort of uh, take up the language that so dominates our culture of therapy and self-help. And instead of uh, confronting people who need to repent, we sort of uh, massage them and make them feel good and think that everything's okay in life and there are no problems. And we turn the church services into self-help seminars. We don't do evangelism anymore, we just try and make people feel better. Further, what tends to happen then is the church begins to adjust the way it looks and acts and feels to be more welcoming to the culture so that the culture sees how nice we are and how cool we are and how welcoming we are and how we look exactly like everybody else. And so the church will stand up and say, see how cool we are? We're just like you. We have all the same beliefs and we stand up for all the same causes. Now come and join us. And the culture looks at us and says, why? If you're just like me and you're not offering me anything I don't already have, why should I become a part of you? I'd rather sleep in on Sunday mornings. And we become bland salt, just blending in. There's another extreme to this. The other extreme is then when we cover our light so that no one can see it. And we do this, I think, uh, not by capitulating to the world, not by looking like the world, but by retreating from the world. Hiding what we have in the church, shutting, shutting the blinds, as it were, so nobody can see inside. Jesus says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. When the church decides to retreat from the culture, to hide out and remove ourselves from the world, to hide the message that we have, we become hidden lamps. We see this in its most extreme form in some branches of Christianity where they remove themselves completely from the world. You'll see this like in, in the Quaker movement where they won't even use electricity in most extreme forms because they don't want the influence of the world to be in on them. But we do it too. We do it when we say something like this. I'm not going to do anything secular. I'm only going to be a part of Christian things. And what we do is we take this wonderful word Christian, which by the way is a noun, and it's a noun that describes you, you who are baptized into Jesus Christ have received Christ in baptism. You have been christened, christed, or christened is the old word. You have received Jesus Christ, so you are now a Christian. But what we do is we take it and we turn it into sort of this cultural identity marker and we use it as an adjective so that we only have Christian friends and we only go to Christian movies. And we only listen to Christian music and have Christian conversations and hire Christian plumbers or something like this. And we ourselves are now removing ourselves from the world. We only do things that are Christian and spiritual and not worldly. We'll only see the movies focus on the family tells us we can see. And if we find out that someone in our lives is watching another sort of movie that we disapprove of, we're going to question their faith and we sometimes may even remove them from our lives. So we'll define ourselves, in other words, by what we are against and not by the Jesus Christ who has saved us. And in this way, we hide our lamp. Now, I want you to notice something about both of these attitudes. Both of these attitudes have far too high of a view of the culture around us. We, we might say it this way. Uh, the, these, both of these attitudes have far too much of a fear of the culture around us. 
On the one hand, if we lose our saltiness, it's because we're afraid the people in the culture, this world is not going to like us as Christians, and so we try and make it so that they do like us a little bit, even though Jesus told us that would never happen, because the world despises the gospel. When Jesus showed up in the flesh, the world put him on the cross. Or we're afraid that if we try and engage too much with the culture, if we go out there and we don't hide out, we're afraid that the influences of the culture are going to break in and they're going to ruin and destroy us. Because we've forgotten the promises from St. Paul that nothing in all of creation is able to separate you from the love of God that is yours in Jesus Christ. So we, we, so we capitulate or we hide out of fear. And all of this is because we have forgotten the one who is in charge around here. Jesus Christ, the crucified one, the risen one, the one who holds you in the palm of his nail-pierced hand and has promised to never leave you and to never forsake you. He is the one who is the true light of the world. He is the one who gives hope to the hopeless. And he is the one who has conquered the grave so that he might not cause us to run away from this world, but he might restore this world, resurrect this world to the way it was supposed to be. And now that he has brought you into his, uh, his communion, now that he has brought you into his family, he is sending you out as people who have been crucified with him and raised with him so that you might shed the light of his glory on this creation and teach it again of the love that he has for it. Jesus, after all, is the one who brings beauty and healing and joy into a drab, dying, bland world. And now he's called you to reflect that resurrection light in this bland and dark place. What that means here is that when we leave church, we don't go out the same. That means when we leave church, we don't leave here looking like the world, but we don't abandon it either. Again, Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now that Christ has made you his own, now that he has granted you his Holy Spirit, he has given you these good deeds to carry out before everyone so that they might see the light of Jesus Christ. And this takes place, Jesus says, before men or before mankind before everyone in this world specifically this takes place in the callings jesus has granted you he has placed you in relationships the the big theology word we like to use here is is vocations he has called you into these relationships so that you might shine the light of christ in those relationships not use those relationships for personal gain not use those relationships for selfish means but rather give of yourself lovingly and sacrificially to everyone christ has placed in your life the way we like to say it around here is that you are called to care for everyone god has given you through sacrifice in love and god is at work through you in those relationships to make this happen it's through these relationships, these vocations, that God is working in this world to maintain this world so that those who still live in the dark, who still stand with the world, might see his light. So that when you leave this place and you go back into your callings and your vocations, your, your family, your house, your work, uh, your, your friendships, uh, wherever, you go there radiating the love and forgiveness you've received from God and Jesus Christ. You go there to shine 
to reflect like the moon reflects the sun. You shine the love of Jesus. I don't know if you saw the moon last night. It was gorgeous, right? I mean, it was, it was huge. And I, I, uh, I had to come back down to church. I forgot something, and so I left uh, my house, and I was, I was driving down here. I didn't need to turn my headlights on. Don't worry, I did. Uh, but I didn't. I could see everything on the road. The moon was so bright. Why? Because the moon is reflecting the sun. That's the church. We, we reflect the light of Christ so that the world might see and know what it is he has come to do for us. And we reflect this light, not because we're better or more moral or less sinful or something like this, but we reflect this light when we leave church because, you guys, we're leaving from having dinner with the king. Jesus has come to you here to give you his body and blood and the bread and the wine for the forgiveness of your sins and strengthening of your faith. And you leave here now, boy, with some remarkable and amazing stories to tell about your God, so that as you work diligently at the calling you've received as a spouse, a parent, a child, employee, boss, student, whatever, you do so as one who is a blessed, beloved child of God in the place where God has placed you, so that you might reflect the light of Christ in the lives of others. As we're not called to blend into the world around us, but we're not to retreat from it in fear either. You because you belong to Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You cannot be hidden. And salt, quite frankly, it just can't lose its saltiness. God works through you and in you to bring love and joy and beauty to this place. So get out there and do it. Find ways to love. Find ways to serve. Find ways to sacrifice for others so that people might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven just as you have received the good deeds of Jesus Christ and have faith in his name. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks. Through the shed blood of your son, Jesus, you have brought us into your family. And now, Lord, we thank you and that through your presence in our lives, we are able to reflect your light into this world. Use us, Lord, to bring your joy, your beauty, and your peace in this creation by proclaiming your son, the one who was crucified and risen for our salvation. Use us, O Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.